Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Blaine Gilmer. I'm Josh Taylor. And I'm Donovan White. And this is CFB Unfiltered. All right, guys, another episode here of CFB Unfiltered. If you can see us on the 365 YouTube page, I got football behind me. I got football over here on my other on my phone over here to the right of me. So I'm hoping I'm not too distracted here while we got our, <laughs> our live show going on. But it's man, impossible not to watch. <laughs> there is a lot going on. We're we're live here on a Thursday night on the Believe Podcast Network, and also, as I said, part of the 365 Sports YouTube channel. And Donovan and Josh, we have a lot going on, and we're going to hit our group of five and independent previews before we get into the official weekend here of college football. So, Josh, you know, we got a lot of power, our group of five teams, and Coastal's one of them that you got there. Oh, Sean's up, baby. Let's go. I was a Myrtle Beach native, went to Coastal for a little bit. I was actually there for 2015 when they won the World Series, which was hype as could be because they were not expecting one and they just ran through like the top seeds football was not good then but it is now um but yeah we've got a lot to talk about with independence and group of fives let's start with the powerhouse should we notre dame the team that seems to always make the playoffs and then just do nothing with it will they make the playoffs this year we will soon find out but you know it's it's the past in book error uh jack Cohn comes over the wisconsin transfer who seems like he was there forever um, they lost their top running back, wide receiver, and tight end. But bring back all five linemen that won the Joe Moore Award. Donovan, being that offensive lineman that you were, how huge is that having your whole unit back that won that award last year? It's massive. I mean, especially when you have a you know quarterback transition with Ian Book leaving for the NFL and Jack Cohn stepping in. It's massive to have that experience and that confidence in front of you, knowing that you're going to have five guys in front of you that are going to sell out every day for you, every day in practice and every game that you play. It's huge. Yeah, going from Wisconsin, you're like, all right, maybe he's he's leaving a really good offensive line. And like, oh, wait, he's going yep. to Notre Dame where it somehow got even better. Um, but the thing is, I think that the offense production is going to take a little bit of a dip. But I don't think it's because of Jack. I think it's because, you know, they have a ton of young guys on offense. They got a redshirt freshman in Kyron Williams, two sophomore uh, wide receivers in Lawrence Keys and Braden Lindsey, and a freshman tight end, Michael Mayer, who they're saying is going to be really good, just another tight end. They've been pumping out some uh, wide receivers and tight ends in the NFL lately. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's going to be a big question on if they can get things going early behind that offensive line and all these young guys. Um, For on defense, uh, Clark Leah left, and they brought in Marcus Freeman, who's a highly uh, respected coach from Cincinnati, and six starters back. Now, when I look at this team, there's one player that stands out. We're talking about um, scouting and stuff for the NFL this guy, this might shock a lot of people. He's my third best defensive player in the draft, and that's Kyle Hamilton, the safety. 
People have him as high as number two over Derek Stingley. Just showing you how high of a regard. You have him over Derek Stingley? Georgia boy. I'm just pointing out. Okay. <laughs> Kyle, Hamilton, Kyle Hamden's from Georgia. Uh, well, he's at Notre Dame. He should have went to Georgia. That, hey, that, that, is, that, that is a massive recruiting fail right there for Georgia to, to let a guy like Kyle Hamilton get out. But, no, uh, he's, he's a great – he's a great just – weapon back there i mean he's so versatile he can come down he can play in the box he can be back and in, in play in coverage kyle hamilton's a guy that that notre dame should really be excited about i think he's a better jok from last year and he, you know being that safety i think he's a faster more athletic safety i think he is the best safety in college football yeah. I, I don't think it's close to be honest with you i think a lot of people would agree with that now this is the thing with notre dame we kind of talked about it before we went live saying oh out of these you know a group of five people in independence teams, like who can go undefeated, who can make the playoffs. Notre Dame has the toughest schedule out of everyone that I looked at. So they go to Florida State um, this weekend. Not a big deal. I think they win that one pretty convincingly. You know, Florida State's rebuilding. Wisconsin at Wrigley Field, which I think is awesome, by the way. I love when they do those kind of games on 925. Then they have Cincinnati at home. That's the big game for Cincinnati, mm-hmm. who we're going to talk about next. That's going to be probably the, one of the best matchups for them. And then they go to Virginia Tech, 10-9, which is one of the hardest places to play, which I'll be at tomorrow night. Never been. Looking forward to uh, Inner Sandman and Blacksburg just going nuts. So that's, first off, three hard games right there. And then it actually gets harder with going uh, against USC at home, which luckily it's at home. And then they have UNC at home, too. Yeah, probably probably not favored in that one, Josh. But uh, speaking no. speaking of favored, before we go any further, I do got to get the bet online spread is where you would go check that out. And I want I want to touch on that real quick. Uh, bet online sponsoring this program, guys. It's that time of year again, football season. All eyes are turning to the gridiron, and as always, bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Whether it's updated odds, whether it's props and contests. Anything like that. The online online's biggest half million dollar contest, Josh and Donovan, half a million, world's largest two hundred thousand NFL survivor contest. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your hundred percent welcome bonus. And then also take advantage on September 9th, next Thursday, they're having when the Buccaneers and Cowboys are kicking off. They use NFL 100 as a promo code. You can get up to $25 back on your wager. So bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So, you know, Notre Dame probably going to be favored in a lot of those games, Josh, but had to have it in there are for, for bet online. Them. What now? <laughs> so the Cowboys aren't going to be favored against the Bucks, by the way. <laughs> no Whoever decides to do that, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but I agree with you. I, I think they'll be underdogs to North Carolina. I think they'll be favored in the other ones, and we'll give you all some uh, great odds for week one coming up later on in the show. Now, speaking of some odds, so I want to talk about the chances of Notre Dame going to the playoffs. It seems like, you know, they either get really far or they go to the playoffs and they just complete lay in their beds for the entire game. Looking at this schedule, we talked about, you know, UNC, they'll probably not be favored against that. If you had to give a probability of Notre Dame making the playoffs with everything, you know, Alabama's rebuilding, we don't know about the quarterbacks, you know, can, you know, uh, Spitzer Rattler take the next step, Oklahoma going to make the playoffs, so on, Clemson, same thing. What do you think, Donovan, is your chances that Notre Dame gets to the playoffs? It's not high. If I had to put a percentage on it, I would say maybe 25%. I mean, I think it's interesting at the top, you know, of college football right now, you have 
you know, I want to say, you know, a deep uh, group of, you know, college ball contenders for the playoff, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, only it's a handful, but you have, you know, six teams that have a legit shot of making the playoffs, two from the same conference. I mean, Georgia, Alabama, right? They could both feasibly make the playoffs and really could. You know, Ohio State, Clemson, Texas A&M, right? Some things have to fall in place, then they have to show out. But you have so many teams that are going to be up there, even Cincinnati, right? If Cincinnati beats Notre Dame, Notre Dame's not getting in, obviously. You have so many teams at the top that could stand in the way of Notre Dame, you know, making the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. They, but the, there's a lot of teams, though, on that schedule, though, that Notre Dame, let's be honest, I feel like Notre Dame gets this this kind of bias, it seems like, from the college football playoff committee. They love them some Notre Dame. So if Notre, Notre Dame. Dame can find a way to have one lo- one loss or less, I see them having an opportunity to get in there. So I'm going to put their – if I had to put a percentage on I think it's like a 50% chance. I mean, it's honestly like just can they do enough to win the games? They should win. And then, you know, they got that opportunity at the end of the year, like you said, against – North Carolina there, Josh. So, you know, a, a lot out there for Notre Dame. But Jack Cohn, I think, is a little bit bigger of a question mark. You know, this guy got ran out of town by Graham Mertz. And like, let me say, preface this. When I say ran out of town, I, I'm not slighting any of these guys. They're way better football players than I ever thought about being. But the point is that Graham, uh, Graham Mertz is that dude, and he just ran Jack Cohn out of town. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens over there with that Notre Dame offense. But uh, now you you mentioned a team, Josh, that's visiting Notre Dame, coming to, coming to right there in front of Touchdown Jesus over live there. Live on NBC. Live on NBC. That would be <laughs> the Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bearcats. So tell us about what the Bearcats hold in store this year. Well, Blaine, you know a lot about Cincinnati. They played Georgia close last year. That was probably one of the more exciting games. Um, oh, yeah. But one thing that I learned from that game is something that I've, you know, thought about for Desmond Ritter for a while now. And to me, that's the that if I'm challenging one person this season player-wise, it's Desmond Ritter, and i tell you why. So they have seven starters back on offense. You know, of course, star uh, Desmond Ritter more than likely going in the first round in the NFL next year. That's probably been the likes they said he probably would have this year like a lot of people thought he was going to go out kind of surprised that he came back um but four of his five top weapons come back this year including uh josh wiley and michael young now my question is i see too much of desmond ritter depending on his legs yes he's really good on his legs that's not a bad thing it's good to have that weapon we're going to talk about another quarterback that's great on his legs but unlike that quarterback, I don't see Desmond Ritter's passing game where I really want it to be. I want to see more. It left me saying, like, ah, oh, Ritter, you could be that NFL guy if I could just see you pass the ball a little bit more. Sometimes I feel like he runs a little too early. So if I'm challenging one guy, it's Desmond Ritter this year. Now, he did have 22, almost 2,300 yards last year, 19 touchdowns, six interceptions. So you got to clean that up a little bit. Let's get that ratio a little bit cleaner. Like I said, get those uh, passing yards up. But like I said, he ran the ball so well last year. Almost 600 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. That's insane. That's a big dude. No doubt. No doubt. Donovan, you got anything on Cincinnati for us? Yeah, I'm with you, Josh. I mean, Desmond Ritter is a quarterback I love for Washington, hopefully in the, you know, in the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah. He, uh, you know, he's a guy, I remember when I was in my early years at Miami, when he was coming in as a true freshman, we, you know, we saw him on tape, right? We we saw him play in person. We went, man, he's talented, right? He can run, he can throw. And then the next year, I was like, man, he's gotten better, but not that much better, right? In terms of his passing game, like you mentioned, Josh, it, he's taking steps every year, but they're not as big as, as, you'd, as you'd expect 
right, from a guy of this much hype around him. So I'm excited to see that kind of next step forward with him because he's got a lot to prove. I mean, like you said, he could have come out last year and probably been a top two round you know, quarterback, but he's got a chance to come out, have a big year and be a premier, you know, first round quarterback, not just one that sneaks in the, you know, the back end of the first round, but a premier quarterback. And I think he has a good chance to do so. Yeah. He could be a top 15 pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this, this class isn't like special, like last year It has a lot of good guys, but Desmond Ritter could be that top guy if you want yep. to. And I think the thing with Cincinnati and with Desmond Ritter is the consistency part of it, right? That the, the talent is there. Desmond Ritter has all the skills and things that you want. But even you pointed out against Georgia, Josh, at the end of that game, he had a chance to put it away. He underthrows a ball with a guy wide open and allowed Tyreek Stevenson, who was Andy Georgia's up. star at the time, to who's now transferred to Miami, to catch up, you know, to recover and not the pass down. JT Daniels comes back down the other way. Georgia wins that game. So, you know, consistency. Can you make the the accurate throws when it's needed and do it on a do it on a regular basis? And I think that's what the Bearcats are going to need. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. I think going to Notre Dame and, you know, I mean, I don't know. That I even pointed out they have to go to Navy and face the triple option. Uh, it's At Indiana also. Yeah, at Indiana, yeah. so they've got a, a murderer's row down in that in that non-con, and and also I think a, a little you know kind of gadget game there with with Navy with people say oh they'll beat Navy. Well, listen, just understand from a coach's point of view, when you have to face the triple option when you don't practice it ever, it is hard to replicate in practice, and weird things can happen when you play the triple option. When so, it wears you out, it's just nonstop. It's over brutal, and over and over. brutal to prepare against. Now, I will say on defense, though, a guy that I have to talk about, probably the best name in college football, Kobe Bryant, one of their corners, there you go. but their star corner, Ahmad, a.k.a. Sauce Gardner. He's my number two corner in college football ranking wise for a good reason. That dude's a stud. I think he's going to take another step this year and help out Desmond Durden in that offense. I think that's where it could be another like big difference uh, for this team. So. When they do go to Notre Dame, I need Sauce Gardner to step up and be like, hey, guys, I'm going to put the team on my back and get some interceptions. But like you said, the, the schedule, it's it's impressive, but is it enough? So we talked about it. if they go undefeated, if they beat Notre Dame, you know, say a close game, say they beat Indiana and Navy, do they get into the playoffs if they go undefeated? Oh, I think absolutely. I think I think they're just because they caught people's attention last year by playing Georgia close in that bowl yeah. game. They've got some momentum, uh, and you know they will get a maybe more credit than they should get if they go to Notre Dame and beat Notre Dame. I personally don't think. I think Notre Dame, as we pointed out earlier, has a lot to prove to people to think to, that they are at the elite level that they've been placed at, kind of in the college football playoff era. Uh, they've been given a lot more benefit of the doubt than I think they should at Notre Dame. Uh, and that dates all the way back to the BCS era. When, I feel like that's just two, history. In 2012, I mean, you know, when Georgia and Alabama face each other in the SEC championship game and everybody <laughs> knows everybody knows that's the national championship because yeah. whoever took on Notre Dame was going to absolutely curb stomp them. And that is what <laughs> that's Alabama. What Ed, that's what Eddie Lacy did in the cover of Sports Illustrated. Stomp you're, luck, <laughs> you're lucky Ohio State was on probation that year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's who, knows? <laughs> who knows? It was, that's it was crazy. But yeah. uh, next group of five team we have, you're repping them, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Yeah. So let's, Chant, let's talk. Baby. The Sean. So let's let's uh, talk about talk about the mullet mania over there at, at Coastal. 
Like they're more than just a great hairstyle. They dropped a trailer yesterday and Silas Kelly, he's the leader of the entire team when uh, especially on defense, one of the linebackers. He said last year we were America's, you know, favorite team. We're like the team you just want to like. He's like, this year we don't want to be that. We're coming at everybody's necks. Now they finished 11 and one last season. And it was crazy because they weren't even supposed to play BYU. COVID let all this happen. Games got canceled. Things were moved around. BYU was like, oh, yeah, we'll we'll play Coastal Carolina. We'll go down to Conway, South Carolina, Dirty Myrtle. And to me, that was probably probably the game of the year, in my opinion. I love that game. 22-17, it was close the entire time. We saw Zach Wilson getting frustrated for the first time. You saw this stingy physical defense come out, and that was their identity for the whole season. My guy, Grayson McCall, He's probably one of my favorite quarterback prospect-wise. Love his game. He runs that run-and-shoot offense so well. And it's funny because, like, when I was down there, their football team was terrible. Like, it was non-existent. And they haven't been in the Sun Belt long at all. I think this is, like, year three or four since they've been, like, an SCFC. So they're new to the game, but they're impressive. Now, obviously, on offense, they have probably the best tight end in college football. Isaiah likely going to have him on the show soon. And also uh, Jalen Healy, who had a clinic last year, 10 touchdowns, and he's going off tonight already on the the Citadel, but still. So he's another name who's, you know, making his uh, presence known for the NFL when it comes to wide receivers. But on the defense, like I said, this physical defense, no one wanted to go against these guys. So my guy, Teddy Gallagher, who leads with the mullets, and also, like I said, uh, Silas Kelly, Last year, 76 tackles for Teddy G and 80 for Kelly and five sacks. But that's not even the most impressive part. Gunner and Brewer, CJ Brewer and Jeffrey Gunner on that D-line holding it down. They lost uh, Teron Jackson to the Eagles, but have no fear. They both had six and a half sacks last year. So 13 sacks with those two guys alone. They're coming back. They're bringing pressure on all these quarterbacks. And my guy, the Jordan Strong, another great name in college football, one of the best DBs had five interceptions last year and seven pass breakups. So they're they're deep. And we're going to talk about how good Louisiana uh, Lafayette's defense is, and people think that's the best one um, out of like the group of five. But I think Coastal Carolina has the best defense to me because it is just ballers and physical guys on all three levels of the defense. I think Coastal Carolina, and they don't they don't have that BYU game this year. They don't have the schedule in their favor. So if they go undefeated, they're not making the playoffs. And I hate to say that. It's just, I mean, they play at Buffalo, at App State. That's like the two hardest games. Is that really impressive? App State's got a good program. Buffalo's got a good program. But they don't have that BYU team this year. So, for me, it would be a New Year's Six game or one of those, you know, December 31st, January 1st games where they're only playing a big name. And they can prove themselves at that game. But I don't see them having a chance to go to playoffs. But I highly encourage people to watch this team because it's so much fun to watch on offense and defense. Yeah, and they kind of did uh, Zach Wilson what the NFL is going to do to Zach Wilson this year, being playing with the Jets. So we'll, yeah. we'll uh, you know, is that technically child abuse? Because Zach Wilson looks like a ten-year-old boy. I mean, is that is that? He's about you know, I mean, he, he the the dude's got to at least get maybe some peach fuzz or something going on now. He's the NFL. I don't know what's going. on. I can't on. grow nothing, so I can't say nothing about him. Hey, you got you got a little something going on up there. Uh, so, but next team we got up donovan is louisiana lafayette they're going against the texas longhorns right off the bat in a top 25 matchup we don't want to touch on too much because we're actually going to preview this game but as 
Josh said, it's a physical team. You have Billy Napier at the helm who's been – he could have had the South Carolina job. He could have had the, the Auburn job, but he turned them both down. The guy never really wanted to be more than, uh, you know, a high school coach. And now he's here making, you know, good money, coaching Louisiana Lafayette, and has a really good football team on his yeah. hands, does he not? Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely does. I mean, Levi Lewis returns. He's an electric player. I mean, he really is. And, you know, we played this team in 2020 in the Lending Tree Bowl and uh, not even two years ago. They're a team, right? They're not afraid of anybody. They're a mean, angry football team, right? And so when you go up against a team like Texas who has, you know, let's be honest, they have more talented players. They have the established name. When you have that attitude to them that Louisiana does, Louisiana does which I'm sure comes right from their head coach, right? I, it's, he, he's a culture builder, right? And Louisiana has the culture. They're a team that you can't take lightly. You can't take any team lightly. But when you have a team that you see, not only you hear about, right, but you see on film how angry they play, how nasty, how mean, how I mean, almost disrespectful, you know, in a, in a good, you know, clean football way. They play disrespectful, right? Like they want – they, they want exactly they coastal and Louisiana have something in common. They want to disrespect you when they play you right within the bounds of football, you know, within reason, but they are a team. I'm telling you, they could surprise some people in terms of staying in the AP top 25. I think they have an, you know, an issue with coastal, you know, kind of competing for that new year six bowl game slot. Um, like you mentioned, Josh, and obviously Cincinnati looting the group of five, but they're a team that I like. Yeah, they lost to Coastal last year. Yeah. The biggest thing for me is they lose Elijah Mitchell and uh, Trey Regas. They're two yep. top running backs. Um, and Elijah Mitchell was a beast for them. Uh, he's looking pretty good for the 49ers right now, but he put up huge numbers last year. Now Chris Smith comes in starting running back, and they do add Texas A&M uh, transfer Imani Bailey. So that helps out. Um, but the offense only had seven plays of 40-plus yards last year. You've Not got to step explosive. Up. Not explosive right there. That's you're 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 loading the box if you're the defense and you're pretty much expecting it not to go deep. So that's my that's another challenge. Levi Lewis, you know, you're you're experienced, you're you've been on this team for a little bit. You've got you've got to stretch the field, you've got to help out that amazing defense that you got. Yeah, and we're gonna talk specifically more about uh UL when they face Texas. That's one of our AP Ooh. top twenty-five matchups here. And then lastly, our what now? Oh, maybe so. We may put them on upset alert. Then the last one we have here, another independent team, Liberty, uh, with Malik Willis at the helm and Hugh Freeze. You got Freeze and Willis that are just running roughshod over people with offense, and Malik Willis has really positioned himself where he could be a Heisman Trophy contender. He could be the contender for the number one overall pick in the draft. I mean, there is the amount of buzz that is surrounding Malik Willis is unparalleled for anything we've seen from a, a group of five guy in a long time, maybe since uh, a Miami Red Hawk and Big Ben Roethlisberger, oh, yeah. you know, something like that. So, you know, just guys, I think Liberty with the opportunities they have out in front of them, like going to Old Miss, or I think actually Old Miss may even come to them. I'm not so sure. At, at Ole Miss on it, 11 6. Yep. It's at Ole Miss. Okay. And so at Ole Miss, True. you know, that's even a bigger opportunity going to Oxford to be able to go on the SEC stage and see what Malik Willis can do in a game where there may be 120 points scored. I mean, it's going to be a back and forth, fast break type game. But Donovan, I mean, uh, anything anything that you want to touch on on Liberty in terms of what Hugh Freeze and company are bringing to the table this year? 
Yeah, I like their senior running back coming back, Joshua Mack, right? So it only helps your quarterback, you know, Malik Willis. When you have a guy that's reliable, you know, and dynamic player who's proven like that, you have a, you know, a, a, a pair right there with Malik Willis's, you know, ability to run. You can create some dangerous matchups on defense. I'm curious to see how Liberty does, or I'm curious to see if Malik Willis, like Desmond Ritter, you know, goes from an electrifying player, right, to a, you know, a truly dominant player. He's electrifying and he dominated games, but a truly dominant player in college football. Yeah. To me, it's disrespectful that they're not ranked. And it's not like they lost anything. So they go to Blattsburg last year, beat Virginia Tech in a crazy game, go to NC State, who we've been talking about how good they are, how experienced they are, great defense. 15 to 14, NC State gets a two-point conversion. Malik Willis throws a pick late. Gets the ball back, starts driving down the field to win, and they have their field goal blocked by NC State, so they lose by one. And then they beat Coastal uh, Carolina in overtime in another crazy game. So they were literally one point away from going undefeated last season, right? So Malik Willis comes back, puts up huge numbers, leads all uh, quarterbacks in rushing last year with 944 yards and 14 touchdowns. They have, like I said, Joshua Mack coming back. All their wide receivers are back. DJ Stubbs, Kevin Shaw, Demario Douglas. They get a Colorado transfer at tight end, Johnny Huntley, who was there last year, but it, he wasn't used too much, so I think he steps up. And then they have their most experienced offensive line in school history. Yeah, that's that's a big deal, especially yeah. when you especially when you have the 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 kind of master of offense at the helm that that Hugh Freeze is. He's really the able best to meme maker too. Yeah, best <laughs> meme maker might want to stay away from the 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 you know state state issued cell phone and what he was calling people with. But you know that's for another podcast. But uh, in terms of Liberty, there's a lot to be excited about. And guys, you know Liberty, Cincinnati. You know, we've talked about some of these guys on the the outer rim, but I think it's time to transition and get to the, the true blue but Drew Blue Bloods, the guys who are in the playoff race. And with that, I think it's time to talk about some playoffs. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Absolutely. Time to talk about the playoffs. And there are so many AP Top 25 matchups this weekend. None bigger than Georgia Clemson, which we will touch on. Penn State, Wisconsin, up in Donovan's neck of the woods in Big Ten territory. Hold on, another Big Ten matchup in Indiana at Iowa. The fighting fry fogles that Josh Taylor loves so much. Face the Hawkeyes. Alabama, how many points will they hang on Miami? That is my question. Uh, and then, of course, UNC at Virginia at Virginia Tech. Not necessarily uh, – I don't know if Virginia Tech is ranked, but I wanted to put that on there because it's a Friday matchup that I think we want to highlight. And then oh, yeah. definitely a battle of ranked teams. We already talked about Billy Napier's Louisiana Lafayette team. They are going to go as the number 23rd ranked team in the AP Top 25 two. Texas to take on number 21 ranked Sar- Steve Sarkeesian's Longhorns. And, you know, that's that's a big game to start off the Sark era. But uh, let's start off where, you know, everybody's going to be tuned into at 730 on Saturday night, the big game, Georgia and Clemson. And, you know, as a guy who covers Georgia, I will defer to you two first. Let y'all give your give your opinions and things like that. But then uh, we're going to we're going to definitely bring some of the noise here on what Georgia and Clemson are bringing to the table this week. 
So for me, the thing I've, I've, I've really thought about this matchup so much. And the more I think about it, I think Georgia wins this by seven or 10. And I, I say that because I'm not a hundred percent sure of Clemson's wide receivers yet. To me, that's the matchup that's going to decide the game. You know, is, is DJ going to be able to throw to Justin Ross against these Georgia DBs? Justin Ross has been out for 18 months. We don't know what he's going to look like. The fact they're putting him as like the number two, number three wide receiver in the country is a little absurd to me. Um, just because I haven't seen anything to say that. I can't just say, oh, based off of talent, he's going to be this good. I haven't seen enough of jo- uh, Justin Ross, and this team is way too young on offense for my liking. Kirby Smart's going to come out. He's going to not be afraid. He's going to just be aggressive on the, on the defense, come after DJ, make him uncomfortable, contain the outside so he can't use those feet. And I think Georgia on defense would win this game. So that's the matchup I'm most looking forward to is Clemson's wide receivers against Georgia DBs. Can they move the ball and score against Georgia? Donovan, a lot going on in the trenches in this one, too. I mean, you got any uh, opinions there as a former offensive lineman? Yeah, and I, I, Josh, I'm with you. I think the wide receiver matchup for Clemson is interesting. Other than the battle of the two quarterbacks, two, you know, great college quarterbacks, you know, DJ still a little bit unproven. Clemson's offensive line doesn't excite me, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're just I, – I don't know what it is about them. They're just bland, right? And Georgia – they're already, they're already boys from the SEC, right? You know how they're going to be as a D-line you know, in the SEC in a top-tier program. I, Clemson's offensive line worries me, and it worries me for DJ in particular, right? Because he's still young. He might be talented, but he's young, right? If he gets too much pressure right in his face, he's going to struggle no matter who, you know, no matter which wide receiver gets open, if they do get open. Um, so Clemson's offensive line, I, I said it from the jump, I think they get dominated you know, by a high quality defensive line. And Georgia's is that right. Georgia's front seven. It's, it's top tier. Right. So I think they're going to, they're in trouble of getting dominant and they're going to have to keep an eye on that. Well, I will say this. I I agree with you that Georgia's front seven defensively is is better than Clemson's uh, offensive line. There's no doubt about it. Clemson is, is going to be starting a 200, a six foot two, 285 pound center against Jordan Davis, who is six foot five, six foot six, 340 pounds. Uh, that man is going to ragdoll Mason Trotter, I feel like, all night. So we'll see what, what happens there. But where Clemson's going to counteract that, guys, is they're going to move the ball side to side. They're going to get it out in space. And Georgia has a very inexperienced defensive backfield. I mean, the, the secondary at Georgia is – there's a lot of talent, but they have not played a lot. So we'll have to see, can they can they tackle in space? Can they communicate well in what's going to be a raucous environment there in Charlotte? You know, 75,000 people, you know, packed into that thing. I mean, it's going to be a big-time atmosphere, and we'll see what, what happens there in Bank of America. Uh, but I, I feel like the key to this game is going to be can Georgia offensively and people Georgia fans aren't going to want to hear this. They're going to hear that Georgia's going to throw it 50 times a game, but that's not going to be the case guys. Georgia is going to need to run the football to beat Clemson. If Georgia can run the football and they can do so successfully, I'm talking about not three yards of carry. I'm talking about five, six yards of carry and then get those, get those Clemson, uh, safeties having to come down in the box. You take a shot over the over the top with Arian Smith, with Jermaine Burton. You try to hit those guys because JT Daniels, if he proved one thing last year, he's not afraid to let it rip and go down the field. So uh, being able to draw up those safeties, that could help Georgia a lot. So official pick right here. Let's go quick, 
quick order here. Josh, who are you picking, Georgia or Clemson? I say Georgia, and I'm going to say 27-20. 27-20. Donovan, who you got, Georgia or Clemson? I'm going to go Georgia. I'm going to go 31-23. I got you. I hope for the all the people that I write for on a daily basis at UGA Sports that we're not uh, jinxing them here going three for three, but I'm going to pick Georgia in what I think is going to be a more low-scoring affair. I'm going to say 24 to 17 Georgia in this one. I think it's going to be a, a low scoring game. Now we're moving on to Penn State. Penn State and Wisconsin, uh, Josh and Donovan. This this game could have more playoff implications, arguably, than that of Georgia Clemson, because Georgia and Clemson still have a lot. They're they they're they have a very good shot of winning out after that first game. Penn State and Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin. Uh, will have to, you know, make sure they're able to make their way back to the Big Ten championship game and then try to knock off an Ohio State most likely to get there. Penn State has Ohio State in their division. So this is this has a lot of playoff implications right off the bat. And uh, Donovan, being our resident Big Ten guy, just what's your, what are the first thoughts that come to this matchup? You know, first thoughts originally were I, I don't trust Penn State, right? They had a, a not even a down year. They had a bad year. I mean, they were 0 for 5, right, in the first five games of the season. Then they won four in a row. And then they won four in a row, right? And so it's a big game because Wisconsin, right, if they if they win this game, right, they put them on a trajectory to have some confidence going forward in a tough, you know, Big Ten West division. But Penn State, if they win this game, right, especially now with Ohio State, I know I'm you look back at shoulders i know it's killing me <laughs> we just had gopher fan up here put a comment up that says look who's up on the buckeyes row the boat yeah, so burn the boats that's the new phrase of the week with ohio <laughs> state fans but you know you have penn state win especially with ohio state down 14 10 right now with minnesota driving right penn state gets some confidence back james franklin is a hell of a coach i mean he is i i don't care what happened last year he's a hell of a coach you get some confidence in that in that Penn State team. We know what they've done in the past. We've seen how hard they played Ohio State, right? We've seen what they've done in that division when they have some confidence, even if they don't, even if they lack the talent a little bit compared to Ohio State. It is a game that I'm, you know, I'm a little surprised the Big Ten scheduled this early. I mean, you're throwing your chips table right now, saying, "Here you go. Oh, yeah. Here's a marquee Big Ten matchup right away." Um, same thing with Indiana, Iowa. I mean, honestly, you, you're getting some marquee matchups in the Big Ten right away. This one to me is two matchups I'm looking forward to. Sean Clifford and Graham Mertz. We saw really flashy Graham Mertz. Then we saw really bad, inconsistent Graham Mertz. Like which one shows up for this game, first game of the season, whichever quarterback performs the best, in my opinion, wins. Now, aside from that, you have Wisconsin, who's known for the great offensive line, the great running backs over the years. Then you have Penn State, who's one of the best linebacker schools in history. You know, LeVar Arrington, Michael Parsons coming out. Then my guy, Brandon Smith, is actually from a high school got offers from Georgia, Alabama, everywhere, and ended up at Penn State. And I think he's going to take a huge leap this year. So can Wisconsin milk that clock? Can they pound the rock, help out Graham Mertz? Can Graham Mertz, you know, scramble and do the things he wants to do against this younger linebacker core who's still coming together? Yeah, and Josh, who's going to be the, the running back that does that is the question for Wisconsin. You know, they, they lost uh, Jonathan Taylor, you know, a couple of years ago to the NFL, who was a just consistent uh, 2,000 yards a season oh, yeah. almost. I mean, I mean, just unbelievable uh, production from him. You know, they've had Corey Clement there in the past. They've had Melvin Gordon. I mean, there's a rich tradition of running backs, and who's going to be that next guy? You know, they have Jalen Berger, who's, uh, who's returning – that is kind of was the leading rusher there uh, last year for, for them in terms of carries that's, that's returning back. 
Chez Molussi is a transfer. Easy for me to say. Molussi is the transfer from Clemson uh, that's going to come in and try to fortify that backfield some. So we'll see. We'll see who ends up getting the getting the carries there. But as you mentioned, Clifford and Mertz, a lot of this is going to be on them. Both guys uh, very talented, but there was inconsistency. Like I mentioned with Desmond Ritter, both of them were around 60% pass completion on the year last year. If any of them, I think for both of these offenses to be successful, Clifford does so much with his legs, Donovan, that I think yeah. if he could get up to where he's completing 65 to 68% of those passes instead of you know 59 to 60 uh, I think that's just gonna that's just that's a difference between you know one or two more first downs in a game that help you you know make sure you're able to sustain drives and and move the chains and when you're facing a team that is very physical usually like a Wisconsin team just being able to keep that offense on the sideline uh, where they can milk the clock you know, how important do you think it is for Sean Clifford to extend his game a little bit and, and show that improvement? Yeah, I think Sean Clifford is going to be the make or break reason for why Penn State succeeds or fails in the Big Ten, right? He's got two offensive linemen returning in Rashid Walker, who I think is a under-the-radar left tackle. Could have come out last year, right? And I think he would have been, you know, mid-round pick. I was higher on him last year, you know, when he was kind of mulling his decision. Um, you got a guy in, in Mike Miranda who's moving into center. He was an all-Big Ten player. Sean Clifford, he's got the experience. He's got the the help up front. He's run out of excuses, and I don't know how much I trust him. And that's not because, ladies and gentlemen, he did knock me out of the playoffs in high school. I will admit that senior year still stings. <laughs> the old wound remember, coming back. I remember that game very well, but it has nothing to do with that. I just haven't seen a whole lot of him over his career at Penn State that makes me trust him, right? Even with the help up front that he's got. And, and on the coaching staff that he's gotten, James Franklin, I don't know how much I trust him to lead Penn State. Yeah, and in, and in terms of uh, Penn State, you know they, they're going to have to have help from that defense, like you said, Josh, and, and be able to as as much as Wisconsin wants to run the ball. Penn State strength on their defense, they've got Bray, uh, Braden Smith, Ellis Brooks, and Jesse Lucetta all returning as starting linebackers this year. So that's the strength, much like your Alabama Crimson Tide, is the strength of their defense. Penn State, the strength of their defense is going to be that linebacking core. Uh, real quick, before we move on to Indiana and I, we'll go ahead and give your picks. Uh, who's who's going to take the Penn State and Wisconsin game? I'm going to go 2013 Penn State. The uh, linebacker core in the defense causes a couple turnovers. Graham Mertz looks a little ruffled up. All right, Donovan? I'm going to go 28-17 Wisconsin. I don't trust Penn State at all. I really don't. Yeah, I think Donovan's has some wishful thinking there. He's hoping Penn State's not good so they don't knock it <laughs> I out. might be losing tonight. We'll see if what Minnesota happens. Minnesota doesn't do it. If Minnesota doesn't take them out tonight, uh, I've got one guy, DJ Cooks, here on our commenting on our page that says uh, CJ Stroud, not it. So well, who knows? It might be, they might be, you know, calling in the, the calling it uh, right, right on. Call it like all famous with, fans, man. We freaked uh, out from one bad play. <laughs> Quinn, Quinn Ewers over there, but uh, see if. Quinn Ewers alert here before too long, but no, I'm going to say I'm going to say that uh, Wisconsin wins this one as well. Just uh, Camp Randall, you know, when they play jump around, they got all that kind of going there. It's going to be rocking. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to say some more points are scored because I think I think that you know Graham Graham Mertz uh, gets gets things rolling there. I think he's he's got a little chip on his shoulder after some uh, maybe an up and down years freshman year. So I'm going to say. 31 to 21 Wisconsin in that one. 
Uh, now we go to one of Josh's favorite clubs, Indiana Hoosiers with Ty Fry Fogle mm. going to take on Kirk Ferentz and what many people think Kirk Ferentz may have his best team in a long time here with the Iowa Hawkeyes. I think we but we collectively had him finishing second in the in the uh, Big Ten West over there. So you know we'll see what what happens. But in this matchup, uh, Indiana and Iowa. A little bit of contrasting styles in terms of Iowa is going to be able to run that football and they're going to get things going. They put they put tremendous offensive line talent in the NFL every year, Donovan. I mean, it seems like every year you have a tackle drafted in the top five oh, yeah. from Iowa or something like that. Um, but Indiana last year could not run the football to save their life. They were like a hundred and. 16th in yards per carry, 3.1 yards per carry, and even worse, 124th in the FBS out of, just for reference, like 128 teams. (laughs) They were 124th uh, with 2.9 yards per carry on first down. So uh, when, when you need to be able to get that that four yards or more on first down, they, they definitely weren't able to do it there. And that put a lot on uh, Penix and a lot on Fry Fogle and, your the wide receivers there. So, Josh, uh, I'll turn it over to you with these skills guys you love so much for Indiana. Are they get are Fry Fogle and Phil? You're going to be able to and Penix going to be able to get some help with this run game this year. You think? Well, you talk about the run game. Like Michael Penix, pretty much was the run game, which is not good, and that's probably why he got hurt. Honestly, so the biggest thing for me is how does Michael Penix look coming back? Another top quarterback that scouts are watching for the NFL. They love his game. He's going to translate well if he's healthy. We'll have to watch the injury. But Ty Fry Fogle, he's going to be in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. Can't wait to see this guy play live. I think it's not going to be enough. And I hate to say that. You can't be one-dimensional and just and just depend on passing the ball against a team like Iowa with uh, Matt Hankins, who's a four-year starting corner, and Riley Moss, another second-team um Phil Steele, that's like my Bible, his college football preview magazine. So if he's wrong, then I'm wrong. (laughs) But I I think their defense is just that hard knock, physical, typical Big Ten defense, what they used to be. And Iowa, to me, is just going to be too much for Indiana's offense. I I don't like that for a first game of Michael Penix coming back. They returned 76% of their production on defense. That was ranked sixth in scoring defense in the country last year. So it's just not a good first game if you're Indiana. Yeah. And I think with Indiana, two things worry me with them, right? I think the hype from last year, I'm worried it's going to carry over in a negative way from them. Too high of expectations for that team, too much pressure on their shoulders. The other one is their offensive line. You know, Michael Penix is a left-handed quarterback, right? So they're blindsides on the right side. Matthew Bedford had the fourth worst pass blocking grade in all of FBS last year. I don't care how many games you played last year, right? I don't care if you only played half a season or even less than that. They have the fourth worst, you know, pass blocking grade in FBS as a top tier Big Ten uh, starting tackle. It's bad, right? And it doesn't help when your quarterback is coming off a torn ACL and is a mobile quarterback. So Ty Freifogel, right, is as as great as he is, he's not gonna get many looks if the right tackle, the blindside tackle and the rest of the offensive line is letting Michael Penix get killed all night. 
Yeah, and I think one reason I'm going to go ahead and give my prediction now, I think Iowa takes care of Indiana in this game, and the reason I think they do is because Iowa and Kurt Ferentz with Phil Parker as the defensive coordinator there, I mean, just so solid year after year. I mean, if you look at the advanced metrics, Iowa is right there with an Alabama, with a Georgia in terms of how they play defense. They were the sixth-ranked scoring defense in the country last year. They returned 76% of their production from that defense, and I think Indiana, they're more of a, you know, defensively built team themselves and like you said donovan i think the struggles are going to be there up front Penix, you returning from injury we'll see how it all goes and there's there's big matchups there you know matt hankins and riley ross are two candidates to be uh if not all american guys definitely first team all big tens mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to be able to cover Fry Fogel and be able to cover failure, I believe. So, you know, it'll be a great matchup. I'm taking Kurt Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes by a score of 28 to 20. What do you What do you got, Josh? Um, for me, I'm going to say I think Iowa wins this. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say 23 to 13. And, Donovan, I will say I'm surprised you haven't mentioned – Probably Iowa's best player being a trench guy. Tyler Linderbaum, right? I yeah, mean, he's a he, first round. He's an early first round pick. He's probably the best center in all of college football, right? And he's going to lead that offensive line to a little inexperienced, right? But again, like I said you know, last week, we know the culture of offensive line at Iowa. Doesn't matter to me how many guys leave in one year, right? Especially when you have a guy that's first round pick coming, Just cranking my, them out. My prediction is I'm going to go Iowa 28 and I'm going to go Indiana 17, a little bit of low scoring game. All right, so here we are making our picks. And before we get to some more of our picks here, I did want to mention that uh, the podcast has also partnered with playactionpools.com this season, guys. So it's a way to have interactive sports fun. You'll be able to get into the action that we're having at the Believe Podcast Network by utilizing the Believe Football Pick'em, guys. So, again, you can go to playactionpools.com, sign up for the contest believe b-l-e-a-v football pick them and if you plan on hosting your own football contest and things like that you can go to playactionpools.com today but the deal that they're running on believe guys is they're going to pick 10 highest profile games between the nfl and college and whoever gets the most picks correct wins things like a, a pair of electric sunglasses dc shoes all kinds of cool prizes so um if like i said playactionpools.com it's a new home for all your sports office pools. So if you want bragging rights, if you want to be able to disagree with us, whatever you want to do, go out there. Playactionpools.com has you covered for all of that. Man, we've got a lot of comments coming in. Ronnie Bishop says, Buckeyes quarterbacks are struggling with the Ohio State mm. game going on behind me. You see Sweat just billowing up on Donovan's <laughs> forehead over He's here. He's going to get up in a second. Not nervous <laughs> yet. Not nervous yet. Adam CZ says Buckeyes going down. So listen, Adam, Ronnie, go for fan. All you guys that are in here watching, uh, make sure to go ahead and share this link for us while we're, while we're going out. Tell people we're talking about college football action right now on the 365 Sports Network. Uh, guys, I wanted to touch real quick on UNC VT just because you'll be there. We're not going to go in-depth in this one, but uh, North Carolina goes to – Blattsburg. I'm going to say that that five and a half points that North Carolina is getting on the road, 
I think that's easy money. North Carolina is going to mm. blow out them fools tomorrow night. I'm just telling I you. Know, like man. I think it, I think it's going to be a Sam Howell coming out party, and we're going to get to our Heisman Trophy predictions later. But I'm going to say I'm going to say North Carolina wins this one, makes a statement by I'm going to say by three touchdowns. I'm going to say this oh. is a I'm going to say this is a 35-14 victory for uh, 35-14 victory for North Carolina. Weird things happen on Friday nights. It happens every season. Weird things happen. I'm not saying Virginia Tech's going to win, but Blacksburg, Virginia is a top five environment in the college football room. Highly respect. If you haven't seen their entrance video with Inner Sandman, the entrance, everyone's hype. That is a tough place to play. There's That's no dispute in that. But do they have even a top 50 team? I don't think so. So, Well, it's been a while, but they still are Virginia Tech, that hard-nosed, great defensive guys. It's just so hard playing them at home. This, to me, is great for Sam Howell. I love this for Sam Howell. We talk about all of his productions gone, you know, other than Ty Chandler, the transfer from Tennessee, and that offensive line he has coming back. This is a test, Sam Howell. Show me you can go lead this team in one of the most hostile environments you're going to see all season and make a statement. I think it's five and a half for a reason. I don't think it's going to be close to a blowout. Um, if I had I mean, to give a prediction, I, I'd say it's like 28, 28, 17. It's going to be, it's not, it's going to be over five and a half. I agree with you there, but I don't see, you know, 35 points against tech and Blacksburg, man. I, I don't know. Donovan, Donovan, you think that uh Vitek's offensive line can hold up against that experienced defensive front of North Carolina? I, I don't think they, they can for long. I think it's going to be a little bit in between both your guys' predictions. I think it's going to be a little bit of, you know, testing the waters with UNC's new offense, right, with with some with some guys that departed for the NFL and Sam Howell. Yeah, Todd you know, Chandler coming in. Todd I, Chandler. I know, the I know. Game, they're all kind of getting in I, sync. They're getting used to it. That's I'm not with a place you. you want to do that. Exactly. I'm with you a little bit. It, it's a hostile environment to kind of get in sync, even if there's not much time or, excuse me, not much uh, uh, you know, room to get in sync, right? I, I think it's gonna be a quick sync, put it this way, for UNC. So I think it's gonna be a slow first half. I'm gonna go 34, uh, let's call it 17, North Carolina. Mm. I, I agree with you there. First half's gonna be slow. Everyone's gonna be like, oh, North Carolina. Yep. And I think Sam Howell comes out more in the second half, ready to make these adjustments. Just like the Ohio State Minnesota game. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll <laughs> see what's going on over there. Still half, pending. Yeah. <laughs> the boat winning at half, but uh, yeah, any, anyways, uh. Last game we're going to cover before we get to our highs and pace. We're going to do this one kind of quick to kind of speediate things here. But we got UL at Texas. We talked about Billy Napier's squad. We talked about uh, Levi Lewis returning, uh, you know, just a tried and true st- stable quarterback there for Billy Napier and, and company. And in his third year starting, he's going to have to be solid. He's got his all, his top seven receivers returning from last year the top seven receivers all returning they did lose two running backs so you've got uh an experienced team in Louisiana Lafayette took down Iowa State last year uh at Iowa State we'll see what happens coming in this year how do you think Josh that Billy Napier and company welcome Steve Sarkeesian as the new head coach of Texas this year I'm just saying uh John Robinson versus that defense, that linebacker core, and that front four that ULL have. That, to me, is just two juggernauts going at it. Robinson put up huge numbers last year, and he's facing a huge test right off the bat. To me, that's where this game is going to be decided. Is Texas going to depend on running the ball a lot? 
and just getting shut down and just quick three and outs. And then ULO gets the ball back and they have these opportunities. To me, that's where the game is going to be won. But I think Texas being at Texas, that place is going to be jumping. I'm sure uh, there's going to be a lot of celebrities who with uh, Matt, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey is probably going to be there decked out in his all orange tuxedo, <laughs> getting everybody. I think he's running for governor now. So I yeah, think he's sure. going to be there. Who knows? <laughs> I but, like uh, so I like Sarkeesian. I trust what he can do in offense, but he's he needs to get things going too. This is you know post team Ellinger. We really don't know who's going to you know be the quarterback for the whole season. We might, we might see a change or two. Uh, Hudson Card's going to be the guy to start it off with. So we'll see yeah. we'll see what happens there. But uh, so that's our pick. Donovan. What's your what? Let's do a real quick pick of that, and we'll get to our Heisman. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Texas uh, in that game. Let's go 38-27. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a high scoring game. I say 35-24 Texas. I'm going to take Billy Napier and the Raging Cajuns to spoil the party in oh, in, in oh. Austin. I'm going to say that the the Raging Cajuns win this thing on a field goal late, 34-31, to, to take it in Austin. But uh, with that, guys, let's go ahead and talk about what the potential Heisman candidates going into this year could be doing. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. All right, so a lot of action going on here, Donovan. Uh, tell us about these Heisman contenders in week one. Yeah, we got, I mean, we have marquee matchups, right? But that means marquee players, right? Playing in each of those games. You know, we got CJ Stroud right off the bat, not looking like a Heisman contender in this game tonight. You know, Bryce Young playing a you know, high caliber matchup, right? And I'd scratch him off. I know, I know. It's week CJ, one. Just throw CJ Stroud out of the yeah, He's not, not in the house. Who's going to replace him now? Who's going to be throwing there? That's, that's one of the questions I had was how important was his performance against Minnesota to prove he's a Heisman contender, not just from if they win or if he, you know, throws for 300 yards, but you could tell when a quarterback's, you know, really great versus the game manager, right? Just the kind of – the, the you know the dump and dime passes right versus the deep shot 40 yard bomb right and so far he hasn't done that so I'm i think that's telling you when you got a guy that's making 1.4 mil in nil behind you with quinn years it, the, the rumblings will start regardless of the outcome of this game now that now that cj stroud and we're recording this right now during the the ohio state minnesota game they're down at halftime regardless there's going to be rumblings and and people are going to talk about getting cj uh, out of there for Quinn Ewers, and who knows if that's even feasible, but uh, we'll see what, what happens there. But I think we can move on from, from that one yeah. and touch on DJ Ua Ungalele, who yeah. goes against Georgia tomorrow. You know, Donovan, what, what do you what do you think you're going to see out of DJ tomorrow? You pick Georgia to win. Uh, what do, what do yeah. you think? I want him to make a statement, right? I, I and I think if you know Josh, you and I kind of talked about a little bit, you know, maybe the wide receiver struggle. I think the offensive line is going to struggle. If he can still succeed, right? And I'm not talking, you know, 400 yards passing, you know, four touchdowns, shootout, right? But if he can succeed and show that he's got, you know, what we what we know he's got, right? Even in the face yeah. of adversity, he's still going to establish himself as a Heisman contender, even if Clemson loses. I mean, honestly, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Even if they do lose, like you said. Clemson cupcake schedule to be honest with you after Georgia get back to the uh, the ACC championship they still have the opportunity to you know get in the playoffs and everything so I don't think DJ would necessarily be out as long as he looks good against Georgia and doesn't just you know throw like three picks or something outrageous where it's like DJ cost the game flat out 
then I think he's going to be able to go through the ACC and just tear through the whole conference until he possibly face either Miami or North Carolina and still have that statement. But we got to talk about my guy, okay? Enough of C.J. Stroud and uh, D.J. Uh, uh, to want to be. Look, <laughs> Bryson Young versus Miami. I want to talk about this game a little bit. I will say I think there's an opportunity for Bryson Young to throw some picks. You know, Bryce, Miami's known Bryce, for the turnover. Man, Bryce. Look, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be realistic. <laughs> no, yeah. Bryce. Look, the disrespect. Bryce will throw some picks, maybe one or two. Alabama fans are going to freak out. Miami is known for these turnovers. The turnover chain, you know, the great defense, putting things out but it's okay. I think Bryce settles down. I think in the second half, he gets going more. Like we've talked about a couple of teams. Sam Howell might come out a little slow against Tech. Bryce Young, the second half, gets things going, uses his feet more. I think that's what really helps him out is being able to run the ball. This is a guy that USC let go. We talk about all these uh, West Coast kids coming, playing for Clemson like DJ did. Same with Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young's a true candidate. Now, the thing is, is does it hurt having such a deep team? Because people said that the same thing with Tua and Mac Jones. Oh, Mac Jones is only good because he's got Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy and he's got Jalen Waddle. Starting for the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. Joke's on yo. He's Tua against Mac week one. But do you think it really hurts a quarterback having a dominant team around him? Or should it, I'll say? Well, I mean, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna hurt him in terms of if he's able to put the production up. My question for Alabama is how fast can they find the continuity in terms of that? I think they'll make some explosive plays, but in terms of being that well-oiled machine, they have been because they're only returning thirty-three percent of the production from last year. Three returning starters. Uh, on that Alabama offense. I don't care how talented you are. That's always difficult to kind of get that up and running. So I don't know if Bryce will look like a Heisman contender early, but I think by the end of the year, uh, he will be. That is if he makes it through the season, because as I've said, he's like five foot eight, and I don't know if he's tall enough to ride some of the rides at like Universal and Disney and all that kind look. of stuff. But we'll we'll see how we'll see how that turns out. Look, we're uh, moving the O line around, it, but it, it's it's coming together. It's a bunch of new guys I know, but Brian Robinson, the senior running back, and you got Jace McLellan, who's looked great in camp so far. Trey Sanders. I expect the running back core to be like it was with TJ Yeldon, Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry, just pumping out more running backs. I think we kind of got away. Not saying we got away from a little bit, but, you know, Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, kind of was just a different running game. I think we get back to that balanced game and let some pressure off of Bryce when he's throwing the ball. So have no fear, and it, it helps when you have John Mechie and a, a freshman who I think is going to come on hot with a Jai Hall. Just remember that name because he makes some crazy catches. And we've already talked uh, as well earlier about Sam Sam Howe. We know what he's going to be able to do for North Carolina this year. We just talked about him. Desmond Ritter is a guy we talked about in our group of five segment. He needs some more consistency. But if Cincinnati is able to win, he'll I'm sure he'll be up there in consideration. Spencer Rattler, everybody knows that he is uh, just at that Oklahoma factory of Heisman candidates over there. So don't really have to touch on him too much. But, uh, guys, I think now it's time to get to our big three. All right, the big three each week is where we take your top three bets, your top three games, and your top three performances for the week. Donovan, let's run through those top three bets for week one. Which ones do you like? Yeah, so the top three bets for week one. I'm still harping on Maryland plus three and a half versus West Virginia, right? I love Talia Tungavailoa. Josh, I hope I didn't butcher his first name. No. 
I'm high on Maryland's offense, right? I'm I, I again, they're still in, you know, tier three for me in the big 10. I'm high on Maryland's offense and at least for this game as well. Uh, LSU minus three and a half at UCLA. I know UCLA won against Hawaii. Something about them just Hammer didn't it. work right. Hammer it, it. Yeah, something about UCLA. I know they won big. It's Hawaii. I think I hold. I heard uh, Joel Clatt or, or someone say today that Hawaii was basically a glorified JV team, um, and that's what they certainly looked like. Um, and then last but certainly not, certainly not least, uh, Notre Dame minus seven and a half versus Florida State. Again, not high in How Florida State. How is that State. spread not higher? I know. I'm looking at that game. It's like you're making it seem like it's a, you're tricking us. You're thinking no, making it seem like it's a marquee close. game. It's not. If Notre Dame does not beat Florida State by at least three touchdowns, they have no shot of competing mm-hmm. with any – Florida State is going to be abysmal this year. I'm telling you, there's a lot of uh, faux recruiting excitement around Florida State this offseason. There is no product on the field that should match that excitement right now. They may in a couple of years with some good recruiting classes, but Mike Norvell and company have a long road to hoe, you know, going forward to try to get this thing – back where it needs to be uh josh what are our top three games we have for for week one coming up look we have penn state at wisconsin which we talked about indiana at iowa and of course the playoff week one game georgia versus clemson to me that's a home game for clemson too at charlotte where they play the acc championship every single year the fans are going to travel well that really benefits clemson there but I have to throw in there Alabama versus Miami and Atlanta. That's our that's our home stadium too. I would t- we can't have two Big Ten teams getting all the love, right? Mm-hmm. So let's let's take out Penn State, Wisconsin, and put in Alabama versus Miami. Derek King versus Bryce Young. There you go. There you go. So top three games, and then the top three player performances for Week One. We have John Mechie coming in. John Mechie the third versus Big Three the third. Versus Miami, uh, obviously he's the go-to target this year for Bryce Young, so a lot expected on him. Ooh, ooh, Donovan, we said the Ohio Listen. State offensive line versus Minnesota. Listen, I know, another score for Ohio State. The, the unit for Ohio State not struggling right now is their offensive line. I, they've got some steps to take. I heard on the radio today that that offensive line is sitting in a quarter of a billion dollars of future NFL contracts. Right, That's how talented they are, and I think they're proving it to an extent here. Yeah, and then finally, uh, to I can't pronounce his name. You're gonna have to pronounce it, Josh. To the young tongue of Iowa. What is his first name? Maybe, maybe Tagovailoa. Talia Tagovailoa. Talia, Talia tongue of Iowa. I, I got tongue of Iowa down. I can say that. <laughs> it's Tal- people forever. Like, Talia is like it's like Uyunglele. We're gonna see. You know who knows. But I know who does know how to say it is Dr. Pepper. They're they're putting some <laughs> coin out on that man. So we'll see. Dr. Pepper, uh, they may be regretting that investment uh, after Georgia gets done with them on Saturday Saturday night. I don't know. We'll see. See what happens. But again, the ACC is so just absolutely terribly weak. You know, he'll I'm sure he'll just look like that Heisman candidate that we just uh-huh. said. But uh, you know, Tonga Valoa goes up against a West Virginia team. That West Virginia defense lost a ton. Taki Smith transferred out. They lost another uh, defensive back that, that transferred out. So I think three end up three defensive starters transfer out from West Virginia. And, you know, Maryland and Loxley have a lot going on. Tungvaloa, it's finally kind of turned over to him, his his baby here with this offense. So 
They we'll always see. start fast too. They always start the yep. season really good, really fast, and then just completely fall off by like week three. Yeah, absolutely. And when we're hoping not to do the same, we like to start strong. We like to end strong here on CFB Unfiltered. Thank you so much for watching us tonight on the 365 Sports YouTube channel. This is a a podcast on the Believe Podcast Network presented by Bet Online and PlayActionPools.com. And guys, we will catch you next time. Every Thursday night, 9 o'clock on the 365 Sports YouTube channel and then dropping the audio Friday mornings. So we'll catch you next time here on CFB Unfiltered. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.